everybody, and welcome to the Poetry Space. I missed everybody so much last week. We couldn't do it because we were traveling and it didn't work. Uh, and it felt really empty to not have the Poetry Space. I'm really glad to be back this week for episode 34, where we're going to be talking about poetry contests. So it looks like it seamlessly added Tim as a co-host, so we'll see if he can speak. So how are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing great, Katie. I missed this too. And it looks like all the bugs are worked out because co-hosting is working out just fine for the first time in uh, the six or how many months? Nine months of doing this? I know. Since the beginning of the year, we're on episode 34. It feels good. My my page notes, my documents that I obsessively make is like almost 100 pages now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it's, I, I flipped through it too. It's very long. You have a lot of notes. <laughs> I do. You add some sometimes, too. Give yourself credit where credit is due. Well, I do. Uh, let's start out with a, uh opening poem. And I went with uh, the first ever Rattle Poetry Prize winner. So several of you probably have already uh, heard this poem or read it. But this is Sophia Rivkin's poem, Conspiracy, which we chose for the very first Rattle Poetry Prize back when the award was $5,000 in 2006. And I still remember the feeling that I had that, uh, you know, you say a, a great poem takes the top of your head off or gives you goosebumps or something. I still remember the goosebumps, the hair on the back of my neck standing up when I read this poem in the submissions laying on my couch very vividly. So here's Sophia Rivkin, Conspiracy. The husband calls from 200 miles away to say he cannot stand it. His wife is dying in a rented hospital bed in their living room and he must put her away somewhere anywhere in a nursing home and she is crying looking up at him through the bars like a caged animal she is an animal with foul green breath and buttocks burnt raw with urine he cannot lift her he cannot change her often enough and she is crying for the children's pictures on the mantle she cannot leave the silver candlesticks the high school graduation pictures and i say yes it's time to put her away I am the friend and I say it, the living conspiring with the living, death standing like a Nazi general or a stormtrooper with a huge cardboard chest covered with medals. And he leans over her and pins a gold star through her skin and it pricks us, pricks us through the brain, through our skin, but we do not bleed. When death is pushing her out of her bed, marching her away, while everyone stands white-faced among the white-faced crowd, blending in, blending in. That was the wow. very first, yeah, that was the very first uh, Rattle Poetry Prize winner and the easiest choice, I'd say, of all the, the years we had. It was kind of a clear winner. Thought it would always end up that way, and it turns out not so much. I, I particularly love the repetition at the end. It's what always gets me. It's like it just wouldn't be enough if there's only one blending in in that poem. It's so beautiful. Yeah, there's so many things about it. There's a rawness to it, too. There's some lines that, that, you know, aren't the best, but gosh, that ending is just so amazing. And, you know, comparing it to what it is and how important that moment is for so many people. You know, it's something that we all go through at some point, you know, figuring out when it's time for our parents and things like that. So it's a very uh, powerful poem. Definitely. So let's go back then to the inception of the Rattle Poetry Prize and look at that. So this was in 2008 that you started this and walk us through and don't give me some brief thing. Everybody wants to know the nitty gritty on how you came up with the idea for this contest and, and the unique way in which it works where a lot of places have copied you. <laughs> well, it was, it was, <laughs> well, I guess it was, it was 2006 for the first award. And so it must've been 2005 when I thought about it, which would have been the second year I was at Rattle. Um, and you know, just thinking about what we could do. I always try to, you know, you try to think of, uh, what your resources are, what, what market advantages you have that other people don't. And one of the things we had is that our founder had a good amount of money so we could put up a good prize and uh, not have to worry about like getting enough entries in order to fund the prize. So I thought, hey, let's make a prize. It's like the biggest one in poetry to get some publicity and attention. And, uh, and let's uh, make it real and as genuine and friendly and useful as possible. And, you know, so include a subscription, use it as a subscription drive, um, use it as a fundraiser for the nonprofit. And uh, that's what we did way back then. It seemed like a good idea. Um, the first year, I remember not having any idea how many submissions we'd get. And so not knowing if we'd make enough money to cover it, but at least we had that backing where if it was a one-year failure, it wouldn't ruin us. So um, so we did it and uh, it worked out well. I think we had, actually, I could look it up really if I, can be fast enough so it's not boring. Why are you looking it up? 
while you're looking it up, then I can ask you a question that would probably be like easy for you to answer at the same time. So it was always that um, from from its inception, you had it come with a subscription when you enter, or was it that the first year? Was there any time between when you came up with this and it was just like a, a more traditional contest where you're paying just to enter the contest, or was it always that it came with? Uh, the subscription to Rattle, which is, you know, four quarterly issues. And then later on, I guess, the chapbooks as well. Yeah, it was always a subscription. That was always the point. Like when I started, you know, we had a nice product, but we only had, I don't know, 400 subscribers or something. And so my task was to find out ways to get more subscribers. That was what they asked me to do. And so that was my first idea was to make a subscription based on a contest because, um, and, and a part of it too, we'll talk about the, the fake poetry contest later, I think. But I, uh, I mentioned on a Twitter post this week that my grandma fell for a, you know, poetry international scam and was really proud of it and then lost. And um, I happened to, I'm not sure, I, I think it was, I, I went to, we'll talk about this later probably, but I, I met somebody at USC who actually had won one of those contests. So um, it, it, even though it's a scam and sort of, you know, everybody loses almost in, in the process, there is an actual winner there. And so I thought, well, maybe we should have a contest that, that's that a large prize like that because they were giving like $10,000 or something, even though it was a scam. And, um, but have it be a legitimate one and have it be actually encourage people to share and participate in poetry. So that was the idea for it. It was a way to, uh, you know, raise subscriptions. And so I was going to say the first year, we had 761 um, entries to the prize. You could do five poems at that point. We reduced it to four uh, in the time since. But, but yeah, that was, a, that was the point from the start to have, um, you know, a fundraising subscription drive that gave something back to everybody and also to a winner. And, and that's what we've been doing ever since. It's really the main thing Rattle has been doing that lets us raise money to generate all the other stuff that we do. So it's really worked out well. Yeah, and what I love about it, too, is that, you know, not only is it just clearly a brilliant idea, but, like, you were taking risk in doing it. You know, you didn't know how many people were going to do that, and $5,000, you know, it's a lot, especially especially in poetry, it's a lot. And that, that immediately makes me think of, so one of the things that I think of with contests is that they should be thought of, you know, look to the poker world for how poker does does poker tournaments. And one thing that happens a lot in tournaments is that in order to get people to play, particularly if it's a new tournament series, uh, you know, one that doesn't have an established reputation, um, what they do is they have a guarantee, you know, so they say, we guarantee that the prize pool will be at least $100,000 or something that's, you know, that's very much a, a draw to people. And the idea is that the, the entity itself is taking on, taking on the risk um, of doing that and not just, you know, giving out, you know, a, a small prize also, regardless of how many people enter, because another thing that I think would be cool to look at for potential other contests, particularly, you know, contests that don't function, you know, like the subscription model, which I think is a, a much different thing, um, you know, having a prize pool where there is a percent, you know, given to, to the winner, as opposed to just a blanket amount where you have no idea how much these places are actually making from the contest. Not that it's wrong to make money. You guys know that I'm not averse to making money. I just think uh, the transparency is really important. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, the poker model, the poker world is actually a good comparison here because the problem I noticed right away, you know, taking on, I, I started you know, being a poetry editor for and working for Rattle um, less than a year after I started even submitting and trying to send poems out and paying attention to the poetry world. Um, and, you know, what I noticed right away is the, the fact what I call the Ouroboros problem now, but we're, we eat ourselves, you know, the producers are all the consumers and the consumers are all the producers. It's all one unit. And that's the same way poker, you know, poetry or, or uh, poker, I should say, actually works, you know, because you make the money off the people who get the joy of you know, playing in a tournament and, uh, and the, the hopes for winning, but that's where it comes from. There's no external source of revenue. It's not like a football, you know, stadium full of people watching the poker tournament. It's people actually playing poker themselves that are uh, generating the revenue for the whole, you know, prize pool that you're talking about. And so it is the same kind of system. It's the same kind of system. And in other things, you know, other sports like bowling or something like that work in the same way where there's not any source of external revenue, where the competitors are the ones providing it, you end up with these kind of models where that's the, the way it can work. And so it, it makes a lot of sense to compare the two. Yeah, I think 
Definitely, too, um, with poker tournaments, they do a very good job of understanding that their job is to get people coming back and coming back. And uh, one way in which they do that is they pay a larger percent of the prize pool. So more people end up getting, you know, money back, so to speak, from the tournament. And that's generally a model that favors recreational players, um, but doesn't favor professional players that are more okay with taking a risk because they're winning in the long run. But it's something like that, that I think the poetry world could take on if they wanted to. And, and why not have, you know, a bigger list of finalists? Why not embrace the fact that people are paying money to enter something and and give more of that potentially back to, to other people and make it more transparent but we're getting on to critiquing because i am so fired up about all these other concepts but i think people want to hear still of course more tim about the rattle poetry prize so you we've talked so much already about how you how you came up with it and the inception of it but what is it like from year to year actually running this contest well, I mean, it's a highlight every year. It's really fun to do the uh, the way we go about it. Um, you know, the, instead of just sort of when we, we run the magazine regularly with regular submissions, you just sort of read through and, uh, you know, pull out the poems you like and want to keep reading. And if you still enjoy them for a while after rereading them over the course of, uh, you know, weeks or a month or so, we just offer to publish them. But here to actually have a winner uh, and one very top poem out of this whole pool, which gets bigger and bigger every year. I and mean, we had over 5,000 entries this year. Um, that's a very different, you know, project. And uh, it's fun the way that we do it with, with scoring. I mean, you, you witnessed it this year, Katie, we can say that it's fine. Um, it, the actual, you know, end results where we had, we were down to about, uh, I think 200 poems when you sort of got to sit in and watch and, and read some of them too. And, uh, you know, so we score at that point, it, everything is scored on a scale of one to 10, um, you know, by me, Megan and Alan, and you had to offer some input this year too. And, uh, you know, and so then we rank them that way and read them over and over again. And, and over time reading the poems, certain poems sort of stick in, in keeping interesting the more you read them and certain poems get a little less interesting the more times you read them. And uh, so, so nudging the scores around and then finding a, you know, finally having your favorite and then arguing about the actual, you know, it's really easy to get down to about 20. But then at that point, which one deserves so much more money than the others when they're all great poems uh, is a tough thing to do. That's also really fun. So the whole thing is it's very uh, complicated uh, and fun to do. One thing that you hear people say is that, you know, oh, it's so subjective. Poetry is so subjective. Anybody could win on any given day. Um, is that how you feel when you're actually sitting down to judge these poems? Uh, no, I think I think subjectivity is really overrated. Um, I think at the at the very end stage, there's a subjectivity to it. You know, going from a hundred poems, uh, you know, to uh, maybe not even that. Maybe going from fifty poems down to the the hundred and down to the one is subjective. But the rest is just that the poems that are that are you know well written and worth considering leap out at you there's not a lot of subjectivity to that which is why it's one of the things i really struggle with maybe we can talk about that but just everybody send, tends to send longer poems longer narrative poems because they think longer poems have a better chance of winning and so most of the poems end up being longer poems that are submitted and then just by the odds the longer poems end up being the best ones there and i can't do anything about it you know i wish that we could have uh, a whole bunch of you know haiku and science and stuff in the finalists but but the poems speak for themselves. You can't really control it. It's not like there's, you know, a million poems that are all, you know, deserving the prize. And it's just some subjective gut feeling that's going with it. It's there's a real, you know, poetry is a real thing. Um, there's a real, the, the main part of it is not subjective at all. There's an objective quality to it too. Is it perhaps though, and I say this as somebody who tends to write shorter poems, as you know, is it perhaps that the longer poems, if they reach that level in the competition, you know, there's a larger barrier to entry to writing an excellent, you know, top 50 poem that's two pages versus, you know, a shorter one. So maybe there's something to that. If it's made it that far, there's perhaps more effort put in. Is that fair to say, even though my bias tends to be that shorter poems are better on average? I don't think so. I think it's just a, a confirmation bias and then turning into a feedback loop. Because my two favorite poems that are the winners are that one by Sophia Rifkin, it's not too long, and the Joseph Fasano, Mahler in New York poem, it was a few years later. 
Uh, and those are, I think, literally the two shortest poems that were sent. Um, but the, uh, I think it's really just that, you know, people tend to send their best long poem. And so then the winners tend to have a lot of longer poems in it. And then, you know, people see the longer poems and they say, oh, longer poems must win. So it confirms that expectation. And there's just no way to stop this sort of juggernaut of uh, that kind of poem coming in, which is something I just, I really tried to correct. I tell people every year, send the short stuff. And this year we have, uh, there was some, there was some haiku actually for the first time that made it in the top, like, like 30 or so that were close, which were interesting. And then we have two sonnets in the uh, finalists um, in the, uh, the winter is not too long either. It's like a full page type poem. So a little more variety this year, but I'm just begging for variety all the time, which is a fascinating part of it too. Have you seen any kind of a correlation for the reader's choice or, which I think is really cool how you have subscribers can then vote for their favorite of the finalists and then they get an additional prize. Do they tend to be maybe shorter poems too that end up getting the, like, is there any sort of correlation that you see for which poem ends up getting the reader's choice? Well, you know, being sort of strategic and like game theory thinking type person, it's really hard not to see what actually happens, which is that uh, certain poems of a certain type or certain content or something tend to uh, clump people's interests together. And, and if you have like two poems that are a similar style, like if you have two sonnets, they split the vote. And so, um, or if you have two poems about a certain theme. And so there's a lot of ways that polling is manipulated, like, like, you know, public opinion polls and political polls just by splitting and changing the categories in a way that just pushes the votes in a certain direction. And I can kind of see going in who the winner might be just based on how it laid out, but I'm trying not to think about it. I'm trying just to pick the, you know, have a variety and pick the top 10 finalists too for that reader's choice award. So it's really interesting too, how that, how that ends up playing. I can, uh, you know, I, I'll secretly uh, tell you who I think the uh, reader's choice award might be later, Katie, and <laughs> we'll see if I'm right this year. <laughs> well, I, um, I, I can say that my reader's choice for last year I was pleased. The one that I voted for, because I can say I voted for George Bulgeri's Popple Sex, is my favorite poem of the amazing finalists from last year. And that ended up winning the Reader's Choice, right? So I was very pleased about that. <laughs> yeah, that was a good pick and a great poem, too. That definitely was. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, Mark Janowski's had his hand up for a bit, the editor of One Art. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for asking, Katie. Um, I was curious to ask Tim just, you know, we're talking about the many of the positive aspects of running contests. And uh, obviously, you know, it's a big time commitment and it takes a bit of a toll on the staff. Um, I have uh, floated the idea early on even of running a one art contest and um immediately actually received multiple emails from other editors dissuading me from doing it um, for a host of reasons. But uh, yeah, I'd be curious to hear you just talk about um, some of the difficult sort of um, aspects of running a contest. Uh, and I know it's come up before. One of them is obviously some people who don't win are not um, thrilled and might have some negative feedback. Yeah, well, that that is true. Uh, you know, I, I call it pumpkin day because it's the day my carriage, my beautiful carriage turns back into a pumpkin at the stroke of midnight when uh, we announced the winners. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, a bunch of people who pretended they liked me actually turn out that they hate me out the whole time. And so I get a lot of, uh, you know, negative feedback at the uh, on September 16th every year. That's sort of a September tradition. And actually, it's interesting as an editor, too, I, uh, I know it's coming and I also still, and I'm sort of like stealing myself against it. And I still um, end up feeling inexplicably like depressed the next week. Uh, you know, if you track my social media posts, I'm sure Facebook knows. They probably think that like my mother died in late September or something, but it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just something that happens every year that there's a bunch of people who, you know, threaten and and you know get all upset and write angry articles about who he did pick and you know last year somebody wrote some article about how um what was it? oh i was thinking about the uh the chapbook a couple of years ago the uh with the chapbook prize 
somebody said, uh, oh, I see you only read up to the to the G's or something because uh, the three winners were all in the first half and wrote a whole article about that. It's just nonsense. People get so upset. So that's one downside, but that's that happens. It's sort of a getting it all at once. It happens with regular submissions too. Um, the other downside, like you mentioned, it is a big time commitment. And so other aspects of the magazine sort of falter for a little while. You know, we, uh, for the general submissions, I was just looking at that today and we haven't read anything uh, after like April 15th. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's uh, how many, like May, June, July, August, September, that's five months ago. So our response time right now is, uh, you know, usually we try to do for like two months is our goal for the, you know, for the basic uh, response time. And so we're three months behind because we've been focusing on the contest. So yeah, it takes a long time to read all those poems. Well, don't beat yourself up too bad. You still have Poets Respond, where people can submit a poem today and get a response on Saturday. So you still have that going for you. And then we also yeah, have yeah. the prompt poems too. And you have the Exprastic. So don't be too hard on yourself there, just because others are. Also, I should say that Pumpkin Day now involves a pumpkin pie. So we are improving things all across the board here. That's good. I can remember Kate, Katie did make me a delicious pumpkin pie this year. So thanks, Katie. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to level up every, it will be like a different pumpkin dessert every September 15th. It'll be. Well, now I'm looking <laughs> so forward to it. Get that excited good. for it. Next year, <laughs> we'll see something with pumpkin. <laughs> but we should okay. talk about other contests though too, I think, right? Should we move on? Because yeah, we there's can. a lot to I talk just... about with this topic. There was just one uh, one question I noticed from Dick Westheimer, who he asked for the 761 on the first year, which, sorry for misspeaking to, that was 2006, not 2008, right, for the contest. Was that mm -hmm. poets or was that poems? And then also, how many did you get this year? Uh, that was poets. Uh, so, you know, so probably 4.2 times uh, that number is the number of poems, which, you know, is not that many, relatively speaking. Uh, and then this year it was 5,170 or something like that. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but uh, something like that. So, and then that was uh, probably like 3.7 poems per submission, I would say. So I said almost 20,000 this year, uh, you know, that first year would have been less than four, you know, less than four. So uh, a lot more poems this year to choose from. And it's just gone up and up and up ever since. Um, and in a way that it makes that, uh, it, that's one of the reasons that first poem stood out even more is because we it didn't have that many entries. Another thing that's interesting too is the uh, contest winners are not at all necessarily better than the regular poems in the issue. You know, if you look at the uh, acceptance rate per poem, um, it's actually lower than a general submission uh, for the contest slightly. So, um, you know, that's one of the things too. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like the best poem you published all year, even though you're giving this huge amount of money. It's just that they stepped up and entered the contest with it. So that's an aspect of it too. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, luck does take many forms too in, in ways that are, are hard to pinpoint unless you're really following the whole trajectory of a poem and deciding where to submit it. I should say too, when I first got back into poetry, I was really interested in contests because I had this fear that, uh, you know, I didn't have anything cool to put in my resume. You know, I just have my bachelor's. I don't have an MFA, which I realized now doesn't even matter to put in there but I didn't have any publication credits for poetry to put all I could be like would be it was like um I write NFT poetry and I I play poker hi publish me and so my my thing was that I was going to enter contests because I thought it benefited me because I thought you know my poems were at least okay at that point and I had a better shot of getting published blind but now I look at some of these contests and I would just really love to know the figures for how many people are entering and I really wish that you know places would would publish them and put out how many entries they're getting routinely particularly in the ones that are are you know higher dollar entry ones where you know they're not involving a subscription either yeah well I think um I know what how often do they announce the numbers we're very transparent about it which is one of the things I try to be transparent about everything like I even have, um, I haven't done it as much lately, but I have like social media posts and blog posts breaking down how much um, of the dollar amount of your entry fee goes toward what, because it's it's a pretty clear breakdown. And always announcing the number of, our, our web page for the Poetry Prize announces how many entries. So yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, to know how many entries too are, are being made. Also that, that made me think though, your, your idea to submit to contests, I think is a good one because of for what, 
we mentioned just a little bit ago that the the um, uh, the quality level, I guess, is actually lower than um, a regular submission because you get for contests, you do get a lot of people who, um, you know, are just sort of passing by and don't really take poetry all that seriously and then pop into a contest. Whereas we'll have, uh, you know, people like Billy Collins and stuff submit poems to rattle all the time. Um, you know, people, poets of that caliber don't submit to contests nearly as often. So the, you're just not competing with uh, the the super high level as much. Um, we did have, I was thinking about it, we had one UK poet laureate submits the Rattle Poetry Prize. I think that's the the, the pinnacle of, uh, I, can't, I shouldn't say who, because uh, that person didn't win. But, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't happen very often. Whereas with regular submissions, you're sort of competing against, you know, everybody. And it's, it's a good idea to uh, start with contests for that reason, I guess, when you're starting out. Yeah, well, that was my thinking. I mean, you can look at my submittable page and see how good of an idea that was and how much money I spent entering contests that have gone nowhere. And I know that's being, you know, potentially results oriented, but I would just feel so much better about it if I knew, you know, what I was really getting into with contests. You know, are we talking about one person winning out of 5,000? Um, in which case, you know, my EV on entering is basically just throwing away $25. Or are we talking about things that are less? And so I, I think that, you know, the poetry places that are for profit, which I think is great. I think it's really impressive, you know, if you can ethically run a for, poet, uh, for profit poetry place. And I would, you know, love to be able to, to do that myself one day, that you don't have to be shy about the fact that you're making money from your contest either. People want you to succeed. So I think that's part of where it comes from is just that they're trying to you know, like distance themselves from the fact that there are poetry journals that some people are making money from. And it's not easy, I am sure. Are there poetry journals where people are making money from, from the contest? I know, you know, the, the contest, like we had this uh, whole thread about realistic poetry, which is an example of the vanity scam that they do. And most for-profit contests, I think, are using that type of model where it's actually not even about the, uh, the winners. Uh, maybe we should should we talk about that now sure but i i think that there are um there are not that many but i think that mm -hmm. um some of them that like you know i'm slightly hesitant to name names maybe i should just be naming names but i i do believe that and they're ones that i enter and believe in and but um yeah i think that there are some they're just they are what? few and far between that's interesting i mean i think of it as, as ways of funding you know nonprofits, basically you know because it's one of the ways that, that we can do it like that um, but the, the contests that are the scammy ones are something to be really beware of. And uh, if people don't know how that works, you, uh, you know, everybody is sort of a finalist or a semi-finalist or something, and they sort of build you into a system that way. So it's really just a way to collect um, contacts like, like a spammer would, and then uh, give you a little sense of pride in something, and then try to sell you stuff. And that's basically how. And, and they, like all the, uh, like the massive uh, or was it multi-level marketing schemes? They have this like whole build-up thing that they do, where at first they try to get you to buy the book, and then they use that and try to get you to buy, uh, you know, eventually, you know, more and more merchandise until eventually you're taking a trip to some conference that they do when you're paying, you know, some exorbitant exorbitant fee to go to a hotel in like Miami, and that's where they actually make the most money. And so that's the that's sort of the big scam that you see all over the place. It's the same as the, you know, who's who in America. And there's just this whole history of vanity scams and poets take advantage of that all the time. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's, it's super sad. And I can understand the desperation, you know, it is really hard to get published somewhere, you know? And I think that more and more I see, you can be really a poet that is good, that is working on your craft and still have, you know, have a really hard time of it. I mean, for my own submissions, you know, a lot of them are still contests that I enter, but man, I mean, the percent is extremely low and I'm constantly trying to become better. I think I at least don't suck. I think I'll get myself at least that much credibility at this point. <laughs> but it, it really yeah, it's fun. true. I mean, yeah, people, you know, you start to feel a little desperate and, you know, wanting some kind of affirmation. And then there are people around that exploit that. And that's, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. I, I wrote that thread on Sunday asking realistic poetry if they wanted to join us here. And of course, they, uh, they unfollowed me, but did not block me and uh, had no response whatsoever because they're just, you know, 80,000 people are following them on Twitter. And I don't know how many people they're exploiting, but it's a whole 
large number. And eventually you realize that that's all it was. And so all that goodwill that they sort of artificially injected, it's like pulled out from under you immediately when you realize. And it's a really sad thing. It, 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 I think it's yeah. uh, unfortunate that people run things like that. Yeah, well, but the lack of transparency among ethically, uh, which I shouldn't just say the lack, obviously, Tim, you know, you're super transparent with your contest and everything. But as I see it, um, you know, across the across poetry as a whole, the lack of transparency, it makes it easier for scams to exist because you can't as easily pick out the ones that are real, which is part of why with poker, it is so transparent with this is the prize pool, this is the percent we're paying out. If you're at a live poker tournament, there are monitors everywhere saying, this is the prize pool, so-and-so, you know, this person just registered, now the prize pool is this, this percent goes to first, you know, and things like that because people need, you know, need to be able to see it. Um, and it's much easier to fake if everything is so general. I mean, like I had one that was like a contest I entered that um, was called Greenhouse Literary, which I think was actually trying to spoof in part you, Tim, because their email address to contact, which they never replied to me on, was like very close to your simple email address and your last name's obviously green. So, I mean, there's a lot of spoofing and a lot of things out there. Um, to watch out for. And part of that too, I was going to say that we haven't touched on that I know, Tim, you feel very strongly about, but is this deadline extension thing that is just rampant and just people just accept it. And I think it's totally unacceptable to have deadline extensions uh, for so many reasons. And I think you agree, Tim. Yeah, that's true. I, I really, I, I've never extended the deadline. Well, actually that's not true. With one deadline, um, submittable crashed the night of the de the deadline. So I think it was, I think it was July 15th. It might've been the, the chapbook prize, but either way, you know, submittable like went literally went offline with like three hours to go before the deadline. And so that day we extended it, I think two days. So people could, you know, that were trying to get in at the last minute could go ahead and do it. But it's the only time we've ever extended the deadline. And I think it's just not fair to people who follow a deadline. You know, it's a sort of a terrible precedent to set. And it's just a way of, you know, advertising and marketing to get more submissions or more entries and uh, make more money. And, uh, and I think there's nothing wrong with, with trying to make more money, of course, but, but to, to do it, you know, use that one trick so often that uh, everybody expects the deadline to be extended at this point, uh, I think is really frustrating. Not fair to the people who follow rules and, and you know, go ahead, which is why I also don't uh, talk about me to re allow revisions and things like that during the contest either, which some places do, I think, too. I just I, I just try to make it as fair for everybody as possible. And having a deadline keep ex being extended uh, is not fair to the people who, you know, could have written a better poem or written a better draft of their poem if they waited an extra two days. It's just, uh, I don't know, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, what you're doing is, is reducing everybody's equity that entered fairly. And that is never something that would fly in poker. You know, people would be very much up in arms. There are very clear deadlines with, with exactly when registration closes for various things. And it, it's not fair to, to reduce somebody else's chances, not to mention the fact that it can affect which poems you enter where. Like I entered um, a first book contest and then they- This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Send up a deadline by a month. And I may have gone about what I chose to do entirely differently. If I, if I hadn't known that. And furthermore, I also think in that, in, in exactly, again, another thing, Tim, that you do leading the industry is that you have an exact date where you announce the winner. And I think that's what it should be all the time. It is not fair. It's like some form of like submittable torture to be logging into this in to see like contests that are still open from like, you know, winter hoping like that would be a really big deal if I actually won for me thinking like, am I actually being considered or they probably just, they haven't decided yet, even though they were supposed to by July, you know, like that's not something that should exist, particularly when you pay the fee, it makes it so much worse. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's another thing that I try to do. You know, I try to, uh, there's this really intricate dance at the end that I do where right at the, you know, cause I don't want people to know ahead of time and with social media, I don't want, um, you know, I don't want people to find out by looking at Twitter that they didn't win either. Uh, and I don't want the deadline to be extended. I want people to know when it's coming, but I want it to be, you know, to put out the results as soon as I can at the start of the deadline. So I have this whole routine that I do where I, uh, you know, call, first I call the winner, like at the, around eight o'clock, wherever they are. So it's not too late, you know, so I can say, just don't post, but they're, 
and then uh, and then I notify the other finalists, and then I add the web page right before I send the email out to everybody that didn't win, so they can go check the web page and see the winners. Um, and it, so it has to be in that order, so it like doesn't get out <laughs> before uh, before too late. And I, so I, so I work really hard to do it that way. And then we've always have hit the deadline for, um, you know, even this year, um, Alan was on a cruise. And so we would leave a little early. So we had to rush to kind of get some stuff done so we could get uh, the judging done before. But we always make it, uh, always make it on the deadline, even though sometimes I'm working, I don't know, 80, 90 hours in a week, the week before. Yeah. And I mean, kudos to you for doing that and everyone. I mean, it just, it's so important that it's done like that. So that also, because contests are some people's first foray into like trying to get into the poetry world and so that makes it even more important that it's handled sensitively and with the immense thoughtfulness and that you put into like everything you do but especially with that it's super apparent um I think now it would be good because we do have someone who was a finalist in the Rattle Poetry Prize and that is a speaker here with Dick Westheimer and so Dick, I would love to hear from you and hear how you first found out, you know, that you were a finalist, I think in 2021, and share your thoughts about it, and then also read uh, your beautiful poem. Um, well, thanks for inviting me, Katie, and, and I've loved this conversation. It's made me kind of rethink the whole contest game, although I, I am curious, uh, you had talked, Katie, a little bit about, um, you know, or... or you know, for-profit contests, and just some of them feel scammy, and I have no way of checking them out. You know, they, they, they charge more money, and I and you know, I'm even talking about disciplined ones that uh, that you know don't extend deadlines, uh, but the ones that market really heavily and you know spend a lot on social media, um, and then charge just money. Um, as opposed to, you know, in exchange for a subscription or something like that, and we'll charge, you know, 25, uh, you know, 50 bucks or so for, for entry. They just feel like they're scammy, and I, I avoid those. But I'd, I'd be interested in hearing you and Tim talk about those. But as, as far as my Rattle uh, Poetry Prize, it, I I think I got just the uh, you know the rattle colon acceptance. Um, I, I forget whether it looked like the other except uh, the poets respond acceptances that I've gotten. I wasn't a um, you know the winner, so I didn't get that coveted phone call. But it was just an email, and of course. I was pretty psyched, you know, I was, I was pretty early on in the poetry game and to have, uh, and, and, and actually that year, uh, Tim extended the uh, population of folks published to the, to the top 20. So I had a finalist poem and another poem in the next 10. And I don't know, I think I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. It was, it was pretty, pretty powerful feeling for, for an adolescent poet, a 70-year-old adolescent poet, um, to have imagined that somebody read my poems and thought that they you know, fell, fell into the category of, con of contest finalists, rattle contest finalists, not just any. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like I, uh, yeah, because I knew you, of course, through the uh, through Rattlecast. You've been attending the Rattlecast for a year, I think, at that point. And it's really, actually, I, I haven't even mentioned it. The the most fun kind of time for me, maybe the, the most fun fifteen minutes of the entire year, is when I have this stack of poems and I have a number at the top. Katie's seen it. Um, this just references the database entry of who it actually is, but I have no idea. And, uh, and I have like sort of guesses who some of the poems are, but I'm wrong like 80% of the time, which is funny too. And, um, and so then when I can pull it up in the database, I can type in like, you know, 178 and see whose poem that was. And then there's Dick Westheimer. You know, I remember, you know, cause you're a regular for the Rattlecast. I was so excited to just see, you know, your name there and uh, realize even though I, I had no idea that that was your poem. So uh, that was really fun too. And then that's really one of the highlights of my years to be able to pull up those names and see who the people actually are. Um, well, and I think that's an interesting, you know, you, know, you talk about transparency, and I, I remember you, you writing that in, in your note to me, that, that feeling. But I don't think people really understand how blind 
is if that's the proper word that your judging is of these things. And, you know, it's one of the things that those of us, I think, who pay attention really appreciate about Rattle is, is that our poems are in the same, you know, uh, us baby poets are in the same box that, uh, you know, Francesca Bell or, or, um, or Billy Collins is in and that you have no idea. And I know that that comes up occasionally, but I think that's a really vital thing for people to understand how that works in the Rattle universe or any universe, you know, because of course, I imagine that there are a ton of folks out there who feel that it, the fix is in, um, even, even though that you make that point. And I, I think that makes that's one of the things that makes this contest so special. There's no sort of taint of the Paris Review sort of thing, like who are we going to accept and, you know, look under the paper to see who, you know, who was who submitted the poem. So um, I, I admire that a lot, and I encourage you to make that a brand, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, well, hopefully people people understand. Um, you know, we do that. That's how regular submissions work, too. We don't reveal the names as we're, as we're considering them at meetings, at editorial meetings. But the difference is that in an editorial meeting, I, I let myself, if I know who it is, I don't exclude it. Um, you know, because that happens fairly often. Like somebody has read a poem on the open lines, for example, and I and I recognize it, know who it is, or somebody's uh, you know voice is just so familiar, and I you know know who it is, or we publish them, or something happened where you know so that happens. But I just recuse myself and don't vote uh, then. But I kind of but for the poetry prize, if I know who the poet is for sure, if something happens to reveal it, like if they leave their name on the page and I remember it or something like that, I throw it out. And uh, and the reading of the poems is completely separate from the um, from the cataloging of them. So I don't I never read a poem as I'm like logging in people's entries. I just write the number on the page, and then add it to the pile and read them when I'm all done and shuffle them too. So I don't accidentally like remember somehow whose poems were what. And um, it takes a lot of uh, sort of an effort and, and being careful not to look and uh, to do that, but every year i've i'm always like i like i said i think i know who some of the poets are and i'm wrong so often that's really funny too <laughs> but uh but it is a, a complicated thing to have it be um, anonymized like that it's an extra layer of protection yeah it's great i mean it's as, as somebody who's ha had his name drawn it's an extra special feeling um so uh katie did you want me to read my poem I did. I was going to prompt you right after I said, yeah, the, the process is, is so well done, Tim, and everything. And, you know, it, it takes more effort, of course, to really do things super ethically and everything is part of it probably too. So um, it was really neat to, to get to see some of the process and all the hard work that goes into it. So I am excited for you to go ahead and read this award finalist poem for us, Dick. Uh, I, I appreciate you asking. And, and, uh, Happily, it's one of the shorter poems I think that you got that came around in that batch of 20 for you. It's a it's sonnet length. Um, my father transformed by dying. I sat with him alone in the hospice room. The breathing machine noises made a nap drowse muddle of me, and I nearly lost sight of his star receding from here to some galaxy far from where he was, a place utterly unlike the stern man I knew, who was so cool to the touch. He would often cite Kant that it was better to think than feel, until he suffered a private revival on learning of his cancer a death sentence in three quick acts. He asked me to call him Pop rather than Father. His feelings knew under siege. He now less a man and more a near-naked patient with no room to move but away as he became less star and more a small part of an unknown galaxy warm in the night sky. Yeah, beautiful poem and a great ending there, Dick. It's it's a, a lovely one. Well, thank you. Thanks. You made so me cry. I love how you read too, Dick. I just oh god, it really got to me then. I'm <laughs> trying to like take a sip of coffee and reclaim my sense. Oh, well, well, well. Thank you both, and I, I really, I really am loving this discussion.
And to answer your question, you're talking about uh, other prizes that have, you know, I think my, um, my ignorance is because I don't pay much attention to anything. I just do what I do. I have so much to do. I don't know what's out there. The only one I can think of uh, for a contest that you might be referring to, uh, would be like the Montreal Poetry Prize. Do you know that one, Dick? No, um, it's based in. Okay, well, that one has a prize. I think the award's twenty thousand, so it's even more than Rattles. And there's a, a pretty large entry fee per submission, but it is based in a, a university. I think the University of Guelph or something like that. And so I've always wondered about that too. They have an anthology that you get if you're published that has like the the finalist or semifinalist or something. Um, so I don't know. It, it's interesting. Um, yeah. um, so I've, I've seen, uh, I think, Frontier is one of them, and there's one that starts with a P. I forget what it is. Palette. Palette yeah. poetry. Palette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Frontier and, uh, and Palette, they're both owned by the same company, and I'm not sure. They might be structured. I think they are structured as a for-profit. Maybe, maybe Katie knows. But... Um, but but yeah, I think they use kind of used Rattle's contest model to build a bunch of magazines. To be, to be honest, yeah, I, I think that they are structured like that. Um, I was published by Frontier, and you know, enjoyed interacting with the people there. Um, and I will say too, they are their contest winners and finalists are they're really great poems in there. I mean, I know Karen Kapoor has had some. That it's really a great place to read some very good poetry. Yeah, my my opinion of that kind of thing. Um, and, and this is where I think maybe me and, and you disagree a little bit, Katie. I think that if the award is used to fund something that you like, and I think Frontier and Palette do a great job of online publications and a contest model to fund stuff. And we haven't talked about book contests yet, but, you know, but, but so many poetry books, maybe the majority of poetry books these days are published through the contest model. And if you actually appreciate what the press is doing, then entering a contest and, and paying and using that as both support and hoping you win at the same time, I think that's great. Um, but if but the problem with uh, the contest for me that don't have any reward uh, is that the truth is I, I sort of alluded to it before, but there are so many really novice poets that uh, have no chance in hell of even coming close. Like, like the percentage of it, you know, it's high in regular submissions, but in the contest, there's just people who are really, you know, have no chance of, of you know, publishing anything unless they really advance far. And if you're if you're getting something, uh, uh, you know, the, a poetry magazine, they can read Rattle, four issues of Rattle, and learn how to become better writers just by reading Rattle and the interviews and all that. I feel like it's still doing good. But if they were just paying and funding the other people, to me, I wouldn't think I wouldn't feel good about that. And so I think if you're if you're providing something that it's helping help to fund, then it, the contest model is really nice. But it feels exploitative um, just because of that. Just because so many novice poets enter, and you're not telling them. There's no feedback either. Like when uh, if you're if you're entering a poker tournament, say, uh, you know, and you and you you know f- f- lose because you're just overmatched and have no idea what you're doing. You know, five minutes into the first table or whatever, that's feedback. But uh, the submissions and contests are a black box. You have no idea what's coming out. I'm not going to tell the people who had no chance they had no chance because I don't want to break their hearts. I want them to keep working and becoming better writers. And uh, and so I think that it's really easy to exploit that that novice class. If you um, if you have a contest with no award and you're not providing anything uh, on top of it, well, you're correct that we disagree about this. And also, um, it was funny when you went into a poker analogy because I was about to go into a poker analogy, the same one essentially, but the other side of it, which is that you know a lot of people play po- a lot of people like to pretend like they're probably winning and they're just not playing enough. Like that's the reality, and and that's you know, probably the reality too with, with submitting poems to some extent. But I would say that I do get something from entering a contest, even one that I know I have, you know, almost no chance, you know, to get in. It's like sending out a wish or a prayer or something like that. Like you do get something from that. And uh, the reality is, you know, amazing poems can come out of weird weird places that are authentic and maybe not great and I would disagree and say that it is feedback to get a rejection and not win a contest it's often um misplaced feedback in terms of like people think it means way more than it does or way less than it really does but it is some amount of feedback if you never hear back then that is unethical and messed up I would say definitely but I think that it's possible to get something out of just you know, you're buying into hope. 
to, to an extent when you enter a poetry contest. Um, and as long as that hope is actually based on like somebody is going to win, um, i.e. something real like that, then I, I don't think it's a problem. Um, I think we need more ways for people to make money with poetry and, and not fewer. Well, the, uh, the, I could go along with that if, and you, I know you talked about lacking transparency before, if you listed where everybody was in a ranking or something so that they knew that they were way at the bottom and they don't, because people keep pouring. And the other thing too, I, I, I didn't mention, like there's some people who not only submit every year, but submit multiple entries every year, you know? And it, it just, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right from a, you know, what we're doing. I mean, we're a nonprofit or rattle. We're trying to promote the practice of poetry and encourage people to engage with the world in that way. And I think makes the world a better place on like 800 levels. And, uh, and, and having that kind of no feedback where they're really, they're just, uh, what do you call it in the poker world where they're the people who uh, are just funding all the winners? There's a it's, word not a, it's not a nice term. In fact, I tried to get people to stop saying it. It was one of the stupid crusades I tried to lead as a poker player, which is fish. You call people fish. fish. There we go. Well, there's they're a just bunch of fish. donating. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, and, but they and have not... fun. The fish, the fish like to play though. They're getting something out of it is what I would say. Like the person gets to feel like they're a part of it you know, and they are, they're technically a part of it. Yeah. I just think it's different in poker because they see their own feedback and hear it, you know, the difference between, you know, I mean, I've entered a few contests. I haven't entered many. I've never won. And, uh, you know, and the, and the, the feedback I get is the same feedback they get. Um, and I think that, that you don't really learn anything. Like I said, the, the people who are, you know, at that level, they think that they have no idea that they, that they need a lot, that much improvement. They just have no idea. And it's, it's hidden from them. So they will keep entering in contests, you know? And I think uh, unless you're providing something for them too, I, it, I don't, it feels, uh, it feels dirty to me. So that's just, that's my opinion. Well, maybe you're the more pure one between us. <laughs> that <laughs> that be <laughs> you're the innocent one. No, I think... <laughs> I think we'll have to agree to disagree on that one, I guess, until I fund my private poetry enterprise. And I really, God, I'm so tempted from this space to do like a contest myself somehow. I don't even know how I would go about it. Um, I don't think any of the poker sites are going to sponsor me to do this. So I have to figure that one out. But God, it would be fun. Well, poker poetry, maybe you could find a sponsor. Just call it that, like name branding rights in a stadium. <laughs> yeah yeah there won't be ethical issues with that i'm sure but you know i i know take one time you have your hand up but i feel really bad that we haven't gotten to joe barca yet because we talked a lot about this um about this subject and dms and stuff leading up to it and then joe you and i have bantered about contests and i was, I was just i was really curious what your what your philosophy on entering contest is in general sure um well it feels a little like the lottery uh, and I rarely play the lottery, but um, I've entered Rattles contest before because I know I'm going to win even if I don't win. So the fact that I get an annual subscription makes it worth it to me. I love Tim's idea of knowing where you fall. You know, if you're in the top 100 rather than the top 6,000, that would be fascinating to know. But I basically steer clear of them as a general rule because it seems like the odds are are so long. But, you know, maybe as I get better as a poet i will embrace contests more those are my thoughts yeah the the odds again i think we can agree if we can just if, if there could be more transparency so we could know i think that's something that we would all really like and tim it is interesting thinking about like if you had the option to like push a button when you got your decline letter to know what percent you were in that would be fascinating. And then also like, but you had to push the button. So it's like, you willingly were like, how bad was my poem? That would be so entertaining. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, cause for you, if you were doing a, a fully transparent only for profit contest, I think that would make a lot of sense. But for me, like, again, you know, Reynolds a nonprofit trying to promote the practice of poetry. And I view the whole contest as a funnel and funneling more people toward better engagement with the world through poetry. And so I don't reveal how close you came, um, I, you know, and uh, and I don't want people to because I don't want people to feel discouraged. I want everybody who lenders to keep writing and keep, you know, not necessarily submitting to the contest where they pay, but to keep submitting and, and you know, participating in the world in that way. Because I think it's a that's the thing that we're trying to do as a nonprofit. So I don't reveal that. 
Um, but if I were doing a contest in a different model, I think it might be interesting. So maybe you should try it. I mean, if, if you were doing a, uh, a prize pool type contest, you know, where uh -huh. you just, you know, listed what the current prize pool was and some kind of like tally, like the national debt climbing up as people entered. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think you, yeah. could, you could definitely try to pull that off. But, uh, but for that what we do, it doesn't fun. make sense. Yeah, it would be fun. But what I love about uh, what you came up with with doing is also that it places people in the position of writing poems in order to support other people having written poems. And I think that's what makes it like so particularly wonderful and perfect to me is the wholesomeness of that. Um, because it is it is so hard. People just want to write poems, get people to read them and you know, we need more, more supporting of other poets, for sure. Well, I think, too, you know, the, the thing about the contest is they get, the first issue they get um, after entering is the issue with the winners in it. And so they get to see, or no, I'm not the first, the second. And so they get to see an issue while they uh, are thinking they might have won. Then they get another issue where they get to see who actually won. And I think that's a great learning tool, you know, to see what actually works and be able to compare first in an objective way and then with your emotions attached, comparing it to your own poems. And that's one of the reasons I do it the way I do too, because my goal is just always to get more people writing and writing better and, and communicating better and connecting with each other better. So, well, so uh, for, for me, this is why the contest model works. You're continually doing exactly what your goal hopes to as evidenced, even just by the numbers going from, just under 800 poets at the start to over 5,000 uh, is, is really impressive. Yeah, but I could say, though, you know, we had 400 uh, subscribers at the time. So, uh, you know, that was a 210% more than we had subscribers. This time it's half. <laughs> so that as a percentage, it's going down. So statistics, lies, lies, and statistics, right? Well, it sounds like maybe there are more readers of poetry than writers of poetry, which would be very convenient for us all, perhaps. Yeah, for sure. Maybe that's actually the case, although I doubt it. <laughs> but um, uh, what else do you want? We got a few minutes left. What do you want to do with the last couple of minutes, Katie? Well, I think, uh, I don't know if Dick Westheimer has a question or a comment, but his hand is up. So first, let's go to him. And then um, I have a closing poem, too, or any other thoughts that, that you want to contribute to him before we close it out? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be real quick because I think Tim has addressed this, but um, a middle ground for a non-for-profit journal in terms of notifying might be a note in an email that said uh, that you were in the top, you know, you, you were one of the last hundred out of 5,000. And I think that that might go a long way to encouraging a lot of folks who are just rejected every time, you know, year after year, to knowing, you know, that their their work is that good, um, and you know, there there is, you know, for for all of us, the emotional impact of rejection. But I think in a contest as as widely subscribed as Rattles with five thousand poets entering, something like that might encourage, as, as your mission says, the practice of poetry, especially for those who are, you know, just merely because of statistics are rejected so often. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, for the rattle, so the way I think of it, it's something I have thought of, of possibly adding is like a sort of a semi-finalist list. So it's like a, or, an, or a, what do they call it, a, a mentions or honorable mentions or something is that it would be like 100 people or 150 that got to that level. But that means it's it's 4,900 that didn't. And, you know, so it's discouraging. And it's very discouraging to see, uh, you know, the, the one of the things, the, the very few contests I ever entered, and I still have a chip on my shoulder over this, I should say, is that uh, Ruth Lilly Fellowship. Um, and they, uh, it's a free submission at the Poetry Foundation. And it's a great, I think they give you like 10000 or $20,000 or something if you're one of the fellows. And I submitted like what I know is really good poems. And I was never in the top 80 that they announced in like the six years I was eligible. And, uh, and, and that was really like a, a big turnoff for me. It was very discouraging to know that I didn't even come that close. And so having 4,900 people feel that way isn't something that I want to do. Uh, and so that's why I don't. But, you know, so I try to like not let anybody know how close they came. Uh, and it's really for the for the sake of the people who would find out that there was a different letter you got and they didn't get that letter and then they'd be discouraged. It's just the unbalance. It's so much more discouragement, I think, when you announce that. Unless you have a ranking in an open, transparent one like Katie's going to build. Yeah, I have some homework from this space, just six months of my life 
<laughs> to build out this contest, figure out how to fund it, you know, have some things to do after this space. But man, it sure would be fun. It is interesting. It is so hard to balance with letting people know because I'm one of those people that I always, I want to know. I just, I, I want to constantly get better. Um, I think Dick, you are the same. Joe Barca, you're the same. You know, there are a lot of people that are like that, but at the same time, um, I can handle criticism um, because it's how we get better. And some people just, you know, just want to sit with their poems as opposed to, as Billy Collins says, tie them up to a chair and beat the poem out of the poem itself. Well, you are uh, you're the upper first percentile of people who, uh, you know, want to improve. I think there's a, you know, a lot of people don't take feedback as well as you, Katie. So that's the truth of it. I kind of want to mock, get mad at you for saying that to show that I don't take feedback well, but I didn't quite <laughs> can't quite manage to stick before it was my turn to speak again. So <laughs> I guess I'll have to pass on that particular opportunity. Well, yeah, well, I don't know, you definitely do. But uh, we are out of time. I, I should say, I'm sorry uh, we talked so much about the Poetry Prize, the Rattle Poetry Prize. I didn't mean to make this like a whole about the Poetry Prize episode, but uh, but there's a lot to talk about. So it wow. you know makes sense and behind the scenes, how it works is interesting, I guess. Well, I mean, I think this is about contests. So spending a lot of time talking about the absolute best contest makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, thanks. With that too. So it's your fault because the closet is too amazing so we had to discuss it for for longer um but should i go ahead then and get to uh the closing poem which is not from rattle <laughs> the turn of events. well thankfully yeah what, what's it from is it from um from plow is that the one you're using yeah from plow this is um so this one plows 2022 rena Estelop poetry award um which is you know a poetry award that is named for her and um i'm not sure if she is the judge or not actually but it's um i really i entered this and did not win obviously this year and i was really impressed by how it was run you know it's just an easy form on their website it was a really inexpensive um it was like a five dollar entry i think i could even be wrong about that maybe it was free it was not much i will say that and it seems like um it was a, it's a very well done contest so, um, yeah, and the, uh, the poetry editor there at Plow is A.M. Jester, who we publish a lot. He's a great guy. He wanted to be here this weekend, actually, but he's got a, he's on the road. Um, mm. But, uh, but you know, that we didn't even mention uh, guest celebrity judges either. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we have, have so much. One. We're going to we have another one. We should call this podcast, yeah, we should call this podcast the Rattle Poetry Prize podcast and then do oh, another gosh. one on some yeah. of the other stuff because there's a lot more we didn't talk about. There is a lot, as always. There's, you know, and it's funny that you say that because actually, um, the poem I'm about to read, um, even though ostensibly it's not about this at all, after I was reading it again today, it made me think about how I feel after after the poetry space concludes for the week, and I'm like, oh, there was so much more I needed to say. It's like the same kind of feeling. So it's funny that you say that. Um, so I'll go ahead and read this. So this is by Bruce Bennett. And it's a sonnet called Stopping By With Flowers. I used to bring back flowers for my mother. I'd stop the car and gather a small bunch. She'd always be surprised and always grateful. She'd put them in a vase. Could we have lunch? I wasn't free, but that part did not matter so much, I told myself. It was the thought. She loved my stopping by for those few minutes. Still, I'd feel guilty since I felt I ought to visit far more often and for longer. She never said it, but I knew she knew that I could make the time. I'd sometimes linger, then I'd go do what I had to do, hoping that what I could and did not say might be made up for by that small bouquet. And I should say too with this, that my mom is in the audience even though she's on a trip to France. So hi mom. I should give you flowers and a longer conversation the next time I'm lucky enough to see you. Well, yeah, that's a great poem, Katie. And I should say, too, uh, if anyone wants to know about, more about Bruce Bennett, uh, he was on Rattlecast 162. And then I was looking at it, and A.M. Jester was Rattlecast 62. So what are the odds? He picked his poem for the prize, and they're exactly 100 Rattlecasts apart. Uh, so anybody can go check those out. But two great people. I love both of them. Yeah, and those are excellent Rattlecast. I, I like both of those a lot, I meant to say. So good job, because I hadn't looked up which ones, which uh, I'm impressed that you did while I was reading. So well, great job, co-host. Earning the co-host badge over the speaker badge. So <laughs> I just want to <laughs> say 
thank everybody so much for coming today and talking a little bit about contests. I hope that, uh, you know, it made you think a little bit more about what your own strategy should best be with doing it and joining the fight for transparency, however that ends up looking um, for us. Yeah, maybe when we do another contest episode, Katie, you can announce your special transparent contest. That would be fun. I'll tell you what, the pressure is on, you guys. Tim Green is pushing me into this. <laughs> he knows I want to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. So before we go, we got to say what we're doing next week, Katie. What are we doing next week? Oh, yeah. Week? Oh, we're going to be looking at, I'm going to call it now, because I'm in a poker mindset, the end game. Ooh, the end game. Yeah, I'm going to call it the end game. I don't know if that's what we'll actually call it when I when I create this space. But, you know, we talked. we were thinking about our titles, episode that I think was a pretty good episode of the poetry space and then we want to um, you know we should be looking at, at what is maybe the most important part besides the beginning um, is the end where really the resonance of a poem is decided in that end so that should be really fun to so start gathering we'll have more poems obviously read in that particular one so start thinking about any poems that you know of that have extremely strong endings yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun endings are definitely the most important you know to keep on the contest theme the, the winner this year had a great ending and my second favorite was a great poem leading up to it, but didn't have a great ending. And that was the difference in the, in the prizes actually. So, uh, you know, it's a, you know, the ending is very, very important. It definitely is. And um, I should maybe say, speaking of the ending, if you guys are up for rating us on iTunes, I would appreciate it. Even though you're listening on Twitter, I really want to outrank podcasts that haven't been produced in 10 years, just as like a reasonable goal for myself. <laughs> My own sanity would be really nice. Um, so thanks you guys so much for joining. And we'll be back next week to talk about the end of poems. And I'm really excited to uh, read a lot of great poems in the interim preparing for it. So thanks so much to everyone who spoke and everyone who joined in and asked questions and shared your thoughts. And I hope you have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Bye.